Hey, it's Future Editing Eric here with a bit of an embarrassing admission to start today's episode. We have a lot of interviews coming up, and so we tried a new audio recording software to try to make it easier. And after editing and hearing the audio quality, it is safe to say that we are definitely not going to be using that software again. In the words of Monty Python, the person responsible has been sacked. But I thought it would be rude to take a few hours of our guest time and not use it, so I just want to let you know that the audio quality of today's episode is going to be lower than normal, but I think the quality of the content is going to be better than normal because it has somebody that isn't me on the show. So yeah, I apologize to our guest and to you listening, but I hope that you still are able to enjoy the show. Okay, bye. Welcome to the Board Game Dojo Podcast. My name is Eric. Thank you so, so much for joining us today. Whether it's your first episode, you listen to every episode, or somewhere in between, we want to sincerely, sincerely, sincerely thank you so much for taking a little bit of time out of your day to listen to our little podcast. Now, today's episode is actually going to be piggybacking off of the last couple episodes that we mentioned something that we're going to be striving for more in 2024. We said we're going to be improving on things that you said need to be improved upon, but also really emphasizing the parts of our show that you like the best, specifically getting more variety into our show because you liked the different kind of formats, that every episode is not quite the same. And one of the ways that we are going to do that is by introducing new hosts to give you more perspectives, give you different perspectives, because, I mean, you can just ask Sumachan. Nobody just wants to listen to me all of the time. So I want to introduce to you one of our new hosts to the show. She is a former contest champion like myself in the Board Game Garage Discord. I'm sure that we will probably talk about it at some point in this episode. But probably more importantly and more interestingly to you, she is the host of the Nerdstorian's Guide to Modern Board Gaming. You heard her in the Cleanse and the Hope episode. Please welcome to the Board Game Dojo podcast, Jaina. Jaina, thank you so much for joining us. Hello, thank you so much for inviting me. This is so exciting. I'm excited as well, partly because I just think you're an awesome human being. But second of all, you like have more energy than I think I've ever had in my life other than the time I drank two five-hour energies because I thought it would give me 10 hours of energy. Um, oh. And it did not. Was it was the whole five? Oh no! Oh no! I don't even want to think about that. Oh dear. <laughs> but to start off, so uh, before we get into what you're actually going to be doing on the board game dojo podcast, let's like learn about you a little bit. Please give us your jiko shokai, your self introduction, so that the audience can get to know you a little bit. Oh dear. Okay, I did not prepare this. Um, good, but it's he- like a job interview. Yeah. Oh, man, that is literally my job is prepping people for job interviews, but I'm going to fail this one. It's fun. Cool. Let's do this. All right. So I am Jaina. I got into the board gaming hobby probably around 2016. Uh, Was living in a small city in northern Alberta, and there was not much to do there. However, they had an excellent board game cafe. So kind of fell into, they had munchkin gaming groups that I joined in. They had a great selection of modern board games. There was a couple of game stores there. So started picking up some more modern hobby games. And it just kind of slowly spread from there. 
and yeah, took off. It's now, yeah, huge part of, huge part of my life, which is awesome. I like that you're like, how did I get into board gaming? Well, there was really nothing else to do. So that is I guess it was kind of, all right. <laughs> know. There's not much else there. <laughs> Can I ask, what was the game that got you into board gaming in the first place? What was your gateway game? Okay. So I had three of them and okay. they were not a couple. Okay. We're just, we're just going to jump in and, and you're going to, you're going to judge me and you're probably going to laugh. All right. So one of the first ones was Potion Explosion, which I think that's a pretty standard, you know, game to start with. It was great. It's marbles. To- Who doesn't like marbles? The clockety clock of the marbles. It's also, I'm not very good at games. I'm pretty bad at most of them. And for whatever reason, Potion Explosion is one of the ones I was just intuitively good at. So obviously that helps. Um, the other one I think was Hogwarts Battle. I am a proud millennial, very much in that millennial sphere. So grew up with Harry Potter. Yep. Hogwarts Battle, first deck building game. Thought this was the best thing ever. Played it literally five hours straight the first time. Whoa. It was, it was awesome. Uh, and then lastly, <laughs> this is the weird one, um, Alchemist. Oh, that's unexpected. Yeah, did not have any idea that Board Game Geek existed at that time. Had no idea that some games were heavy or, you know, on the lighter side. But the theme appealed. And I love to sit down with a rule book and just figure out how does this work. So I'm sure it was not played well uh, or efficiently, but just using the app, scanning those ingredients. No idea that worker placement was a thing, but no, it was just... All around, it was it was very fun. So, those are my kind of three intro games, as it were, gateway games. I think that's so interesting, though, because it really puts in emphasis on what people are actually gate like what games are actually gateway games nowadays. Because I think we still think about like it's still Catan, right? It's still Ticket to Ride, right? And it's like actually a lot of people are getting into games now, not from those. No, but and ironically, a thematic thing or like Hogwarts. Yes. And ironically, like most, a lot of people's, if they say, oh, what's a great gateway game? They'll say Ticket to Ride or Splendor. I tried both of those when I first started gaming and bounced off of both of them. Like no interest whatsoever. But yeah, the thematic for sure, the thematic was there. And because I wanted to game, I wanted to learn. And I have, I love learning rules and figuring that out. Sitting down with a heavy game and a big rule book was not intimidating to me at all. It was fun. Oh, so now that has to lead me into the next question, which is what um, what games do you enjoy in generally? Like, you don't have to give me like a top three or a top five, but what are kind of some games that you're kind of always down to play? Okay. I would consider myself an omni gamer. I will try almost anything. Um, but I do tend to probably angle more towards Euros. And I know lots of debate, is that term even useful anymore? But I think if I say a mid to heavyweight Euro, mid to heavyweight economic Euro, everyone knows what I'm talking about. Uh, So some of my recent favorites have been Barrage, Barrage, however you actually say it. Uh, I love me some Food Chain Magnate. I love exploring splatter games. Yup, so much fun. So much fun. and I also just love kind of some more midweight, middle of the road games that you can just play at any time. But I'll, I will literally play anything at least once. Oh, that's kind of exciting because I think 
people, one of the things I got from our top 10 board games of all time video was that people were so surprised that we're a channel that really covers a lot of lighter games or trick-taking games or things like that. Like, wait, one of Eric's top 10 is Food Chain Magnet? Oh, such a good game. One of my first plays, uh, it was a three-player game and one of the people was, he, to be fair, I did warn about these are your first two opening moves. I have heard if you don't do one of these, you are in trouble. Um, uh, trainer or, or recruiting girl, right? Exactly. Yep. He tried to do something different, which is cool. Like that was fine. And it worked great at the start. Um, and then, yeah, about halfway, two thirds of the way in, he was pretty sure. So we sat there with him for, I think, 30 minutes trying to figure out if there was some way he could come back from that. Uh, we could not find it. <laughs> But yeah, you definitely need someone who is okay with potentially losing and then just pushing buttons and seeing what happens for the rest of it. It was still a fun, it was still a fun play, super fun play, at least for me. I, I don't know about him. I don't know if he's played it since. Oops. Have you tried the expansion? No, I do have it though, but I haven't played with it. Not played it often enough. It's good. It's really good. Oh. Uh, uh, somebody, all the different modules play. and it it's rid of the kind of there's only two first opening moves they're still oh. stronger than normal moves for sure like there's one i'm not going to tell you what it is but there's one that like people are like how on earth do i combat that opening but it changes it fundamentally oh yeah i need to i have to see if the most recent gaming group i played it with will be willing to play it again we'll find out it, it is interesting just because you know how like certain games, like certain trivia games, like Witch and Wagers, like a lot of the, mm -hmm. the fun of it is being like, you don't have to actually be the best at the game. You just have to know who is. Yep. Yep. Like who is the person who is most likely, uh, which, sorry, I should probably like rewind. Witch and Wagers, good trivia game. The only trivia game basically that I will play. And essentially mm -hmm. what you're doing in Witch and Wagers is that it's going, is that there's going to be a question in the round that's going to be a number. And everybody will then give an answer as to what they think it is. It's going to be something that's really, really difficult. It's going to be something like, um, how deep is the ocean near, off the coast of New York City? And it's going to be like, I, how, who on earth would know the answer to that? But everybody's going to need to guess. And then you're going to get to bet on who you think is the closest. So it actually, like, you get points, of course, if you are the closest. But you probably will get more points if you at least know who is going to be the closest. So like, oh, Gina is an, an oceanographer or, you know, this person studies water, right? Or this person lives in New York City. I think that they are probably going to be the closest one out of all of us here at the table. So oh God, I haven't played Wits and Wagers in ages. Such a, it is a good game though. Yeah, I, it's, I told, it's the only trivia game that I will play because like, uh, other than if I go to like trivia night at the pub or something. But, um, my point is that like one of the modules you can do is coffee houses. Okay. And if you put a coffee house on the way, like if a customer has to go on the way to somebody's restaurant and they have to pass mm -hmm. your coffee house, you get money. So you're like, they have the best restaurant that's going to be attracting a lot of people. I'm going to put a coffee house right next to their restaurant so that I get money for every person that they go. I love that. that. And honestly, that's how I feel about, well, bubble tea, but also coffee. If I drive by a good coffee place, obviously <laughs> I have to get coffee or bubble tea, specifically bubble tea. Bubble tea. I, bubble tea. What, what's your bubble tea order? Oh, I tend to just go for a classic milk tea with pearls. 
percent sweet. Yeah. Ah, uh, it's now we're talking. Yeah, too sweet for me, like regularly. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. That's actually related to board gaming because my weekly game group, we all meet at a bubble tea cafe. I had never heard of that before. Oh, it's amazing. Well, so the owners of this bubble tea cafe are board gamers and they had just moved from Toronto. So they wanted to make some new friends. So they started a game night there. Uh, since they own it, we were able to take over half of the tables and grab extra tables if we needed. And it has been fantastic. <laughs> that is fan- that that sounds so fun. I'm trying to think if there if there are any bubble tea themed games. I know there's Boba Mahjong. So That's only a two player game. Uh, there's the Bobotage. Um, Never heard of. Yeah, it's. I think it's more. I guess I hate to say mass market game, but it's more a mass market type okay. game. There is. I know, and maybe I shouldn't say this. Um, Steeped Games, who produced Try, they were going to be bringing out a game called Boba. Now I don't know what's happening with that because I'm not sure if Steep Games still exists. Ah. Uh, and oh yeah, on. they had like that that um the troubles with chai tea for two, right? Where they weren't able to actually deliver on the games. Now supposedly they are going to be still. Um they're actually local to me. Uh, so I know people who know them personally. Um so I know they are still striving and they're still trying to deliver it. But yeah, what's gonna actually happen with that? I don't know. Um I feel like there's some other bubble tea themed games that i'm just forgetting right now but those yeah those are the two that jump to mind if you know if you're listening to this podcast you're probably just like screaming at your console right now oh my goodness if you know one we're missing i will post like a picture of this uh podcast on on uh twitter slash x and instagram comment on there tell us what boba games we're missing please because i need it in my life need more boba and we need more boba themed games that's like right there. Yeah. But stepping away a little bit from uh, the board game kind of, well, I mean, it's related to board games for sure. But you have a podcast, have a podcast called Nerdstorian's Guide to Modern Board Gaming. So we had actually, that's actually how we had started talking is you had posted in the Discord channel for the contest, which we are both former champions of. So, well, you know. Four of us made it through that last year, but it's a moral victory for me, if nothing else. I'm giving you the victory. Thank you. You made it through the year, which is kind of the point. Yes, that is true. And I did not think that was going to happen. So, you know, what's really important here is is the win, right? That's board gaming, right? I don't care about how, what you learned in the experience. It's about winning. But um, you had posted in there is like, you know, are other podcasts like doing research and does it take you a long time? Yes, yes, and, yes, yes. And I responded, I'm like, oh my goodness, yes, because research episodes are difficult. Like maybe you can get one minute of content, might take you 30 minutes to an hour of research. Yup, yup. So tell us a little bit about what made you start the Nerd Storian's Guide to Modern Board Gaming and go through all the like, how long it takes you to do research for every episode and then what you're looking to bring to the board game dojo now that you're joining us. Okay. So I think what started it was naivety about how long the research would take. I really had no <laughs> idea. Uh, but where it all started was thanks to the contest, uh, I couldn't get board games last year and I couldn't get gifted board games either. 
So one of my friends who I play games with, among other things, but mostly games, uh, she did not know what to get me for my birthday. And so she actually got me a book on board gaming. It is Everybody Wins, Four Decades of the Greatest Board Games Ever Made. So it basically goes through all this, and I'm going to pronounce this wrong, all the Spiel des Jahres winners from the very beginning up until I think Cascadia was the last one. So I believe that was 2022. And I, oh, I love that book. I had so much fun reading about all these old games and the author would kind of go back and discuss, oh, I think this came from here. Why is this game good? Why is it bad? But I was more interested in the, oh, so this designer has designed a whole bunch of other things. And you can see how, you can see how he came to this game. He's pulling things from here. He's pulling things from there. And by the time I got to the end of the book, I... I don't want to say I was obsessed, but I just thought it was so fascinating on how this whole hobby is just everything is interconnected. You can and you can't um, copyright a board game mechanism, so everyone borrows from everybody else. And at that point, I had done a previous podcast, but that had kind of ended, and I thought that this would be just a fun thing to do for a new podcast. Like here's an actual topic. So yeah, from there, I decided I wanted to look at basically pick a modern mechanism or something in the board gaming sphere and then work backwards, like go back as far as I could. So my first episode was on the history of roll and rights. So I went all the way back to dice. When were dice invented? Um, How did they change? How were they used? How did they change throughout time to get us to where we are now basically and it was just yeah it was, i learned so much it was so fun i'm also you know one of those nerds i will happily pull out random facts at the most inopportune moments because i just love random facts so it just kind of went together really well but okay researching researching oh goodness i i think for my very first episode it was only 15 minutes long and that took me a solid ooh probably 10 to 12 hours of research plus writing the script um, plus recording I was so devastated when it was only 15 minutes long (laughs) I know the feeling you think it's gonna be like wow took like 10 to 15 hours of research into this is gonna be so good and then uh, we have a like we have episodes that are called quick hits which are like a topic less than 15 minutes and it'll be like a research episode that wasn't meant to be a quick hits episode and I'm like I literally do not have do not have enough content for a full episode. Yep. yep. Oh. Yeah, I slowly learned how to ramble, so my episodes got a bit longer after that. But oh goodness, yeah. You write a when you're writing a script because I would just be so off topic without one, and oh yeah, I also talk fast, so I'm trying to learn to slow down because that you know adds a couple minutes on at least if I'm not talking a mile a minute. <laughs> hey, you're giving away the secrets of the trade here. Oh, I'm so, so sorry. Um, You're talking slow for clarity. Yes. Enunciate. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that is how Nerd Storian's Guide to Modern Board Gaming came to be. That's really cool. And I think it's, it's really important that you're joining us. And because... You are really much more focused on the history mm-hmm. part of things. 
right? Like, okay, it started here and then it went to here and it went to here. And we've kind of interspersed them a little bit, but like that is not really my field. It's not really what like my specialty is. It's not really what I'm most interested in. I'm interested in it, but I'm so much more in the like psychology and sociology. So it's like, I'm super excited that you're going to bring that perspective to it. And I already know what your topic is for February. I'm so, so excited. But actually, that is a great transition to what are you going to be doing for us? And how often? What are you bringing to our show? Because I think you're no longer going to be doing your story. And you're just going to be with us now. Yes, correct. I hadn't gotten that far into Nerd Story and when we started chatting. Um, so this just seemed like perfect. It was meant to be. So I think the plan right now is for me to do monthly history episodes, probably about 30-ish minutes long. Uh, we'll see how much I ramble and or how little I can find on the topic, uh, which I do not think will be a problem for our February episode. I am also very excited for that. And yeah, I have a whole range of topics I am excited to research and dive into, but I am also very open to suggestions or what the people want to hear. Yeah, you can actually put those suggestions in the Board Game Dojo Discord server if you're not already a part of it. We have a whole channel for topic ideas. So you, so Jaina's on there. A lot of, of other people are on there. So we can, you know, hey, I want you to research the history of this. Okay. Yes, please. Yes, for sure. Oh, I'm so excited. So are you in general, are you interested in history just in a general sense? Like when you're not doing board games, is that something that you're doing? Yeah, no, not at all. I uh, took one history course in first year university. I used to particularly like the history of Europe for whatever reason. Um, I am in Canada just for context. But yeah, after first year university, I was never that big on history. I didn't dislike it, but it wasn't wasn't something I focused on. I, I don't know. It was just that something about that board gaming niche. I mean, that's really cool, though. I mean, it, I, I mean, we play board games all the time with themes that we had no care about. Or if we're Euros, the theme doesn't really make any kind of difference at all. But, you know, OK, well, today I'll be I guess I'll be a monk. I don't know. Yeah, sure. Sounds like as good of a day as any. Yeah, why not? Um, what what do you do when you're not board gaming? Then, if you're not doing some kind of history stuff, how do you spend your time when you're not board gaming? Or are the different facets of board gaming, like collecting or painting or anything like that, also one of your main hobbies when you're not playing? Okay, so I do have a board gaming side hobby. I have recently gotten and got into print and play games. So that's where you can go online. Uh, you can find files for games that people have provided free of charge. And or you pay for them, too. There's lots of those as well. And then you basically have the um, all the materials. I will print them out. I'll make laminated cards. If you got you got to get a corner puncher. Uh, that is a game changer right there. Um, so I've started doing that, not tons and tons. I haven't gotten into anything super complicated build-wise yet, but that's been a lot of fun on the side, especially in the contest when you can't buy games. You can still print and play. As long as you don't pay for the files, you are good to go. <laughs> so that definitely helped me get through that year. Could still get new games in. Otherwise, I think my main hobby outside of board gaming is horses. I have owned horses, oh gosh, for over 20 years now. So really? That gets me out of the house. Sorry. Oh, I've 
I was one of those horse obsessed kids from uh, as soon as I could talk, apparently, for whatever reason, I just always had the bug. Well, hopefully you don't give those to your horses. No, no, I try to avoid that. Yeah. Yeah. I that was such a bad first. joke. I am so sorry. <laughs> I, I I could go with it. No, I can, I can see it. But yeah. No, and luckily my parents were supportive and had also grown up in kind of the country farming communities. So it wasn't completely out of the realm of possibilities. My mom had a horse growing up. So yeah, it's always been something I've been able to do, which is fantastic. That's cool. I don't know anybody else that has interested in that hobby. So I might like interrogate you about that later. Oh, but you said also... Um, You've gotten into print and plays. I know you said the corner puncher is important. I know that there's a lot of people that might be more interested in prints and plays, especially since there seems to be a lot more crowdfunding stuff that is really mm -hmm. doing like, hey, um, we have the full game if you want, but you could also just pay like a dollar or two for the print and play files. Like, How do people or what are some tips to getting into print and play and making the most use out of it? Do you have any advice of what people could do if maybe they don't have a printer at home? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, Asking even, for a friend. No, no. Even two or three years ago, I thought that printing a game was the most intimidating thing ever. And why would anyone want to do that? That is ridiculous. Uh, if you like crafting, though, where I learned most of the tips and tricks is a Facebook group called Martin's Print and Play Hideaway. Uh, it is run by a guy named, shockingly, Martin. And he makes incredible print and plays. Like I, he posted one for, he made Bot Factory, the more recent Vita Lacerda game. And he actually compared it side by side to the, the published version of the game. And it was hard to tell the difference. Wow. Uh, not at that level, but I started there and you learn, you can search it. You learn tips. Okay, how do you make a card? Okay, so you, you can do, there's a variety of different techniques. You can kind of play around with them. If you don't have a printer, I think you can, most libraries will have printers. That said, it's probably a little tricky because you want a bunch of different um, paper types. So for instance, I anything that has artwork on it, cards, um, things like that, I will normally print them on double-sided matte photo paper. That said, though, if you're on a budget, I actually have found a lot of print and play supplies at the thrift store. So I'll go. I found a huge pack of matte, double-sided matte photo paper at the thrift store for like $2 unopened, oh. brand new. It takes time. You'd never know what you're going to find there. But you can hunt there also if you want tokens. I've tried a bunch of different methods for making tokens. But one of the easiest is if you can find some label paper, you can print on that. And if you're doing square tokens, um, just thrift old copies of scrabble and then you can just stick them right on the scrabble tiles oh that's a there's, really good idea because you can find that a lot of places yeah there's also everyone's uh the print and play hobbies thrifters delight is a wasn't a game it was called bloxels and i think it was designed for kids basically it gives you a plastic grid with little square holes in it and then it comes with oh so many cubes, over 300 cubes of a variety of colors. Because the idea was you could put those in, I think you scanned it with an app and you could then, kids could then turn it into their own video game and design their own video oh. game. 
But for print and players, you will get over 300 cubes in one box of a variety of colors. And they're the pretty much exact right shape and size for board gaming cubes. So yeah, thrifting Amazing. has been part of it for me. Yeah. It's, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun. But yeah, it also, I mean, honestly, it is also a money pit in and of itself. Uh, especially if you decide that you should really, really get an EcoTank printer because you don't want to be wasting all those ink cartridges. That's just horrible for the environment. So obviously you need to buy a new printer. And then it's a pain like, yeah, you can go to the library to laminate things. Um, I know our library has like a makers section and they have all sorts of tools and things you could use. But why would I have, why would I want to go to the library if I could just buy a laminator online for $30? Why wouldn't you? And once you're making laminated cards, those cards are, they're sharp. They're pokey. So obviously you need to get a corner puncher, Kodamaro Pro. Obviously. All the way. All the way. Yeah. Um, and then it spirals from there. So don't necessarily get into it thinking you're going to save a bunch of money. Um, you you probably won't. Uh, but if you like crafting, it's a it's a great add-on hobby to board gaming. I'm excited to have you like on. I mean, not, it's not just like that we get along and that you're bringing in new perspectives like for the history part of it, but like we're very into different aspects of the board gaming hobby. Cause I think one of the best parts of the board gaming hobby is that like, of course, playing board games is an important part of it, but there are so many different things that you could be into the board game hobby of. And like, I have no knowledge of print and play. Absolutely not. Yeah. And neither did I. It's literally been, I think in the last year and a half. So I'm certainly from the most knowledgeable person out there, but I also think, yeah, I can definitely bring that newbie perspective to print and play because it's it's very intimidating. Yeah, that's actually one of the reasons that I haven't is that I'm like, okay, well, I actually have the print and play files for a few games. And I'm like, I have no idea how I'm going to do this because like for us, we can go to like 7-Eleven or something and get printed like paper, but there's not like the good quality paper. So it's like, do I really want to print out these games and play it on regular paper? I'm really sure I want to do that. It's not the same. It's not the same. It definitely isn't. Are the games that you're playing most recently, are they print and plays or are you getting a couple of other things to the table? No, I think I've definitely gotten some other games to the table. I think I have a bunch of roll and writes I want to print and play. I do love me a good roll and write, um, but haven't had a chance to do that yet. So what? Okay. I am one of those people. I love my board game stats. If you ask me what I played last week, the only way I'm going to be able to tell you is if I go look on board game stats. So let's go take a look. Um, oh, I think one of the more exciting and actually hot topic games that I played recently uh, was Maple Valley. That was a Kickstarter that's recently fulfilled. Uh, same, The designer is actually, she is local to my city. That is where she lives, Roberta Taylor. She did Creature Comforts that came out a couple of years back. And so this is her follow-up to Creature Comforts uh, called Maple Valley. It's published by Kids Table Board Games. And they tend to publish kind of lighter kids games in theory. But the one thing like with Creature Comforts, I didn't back it because I'm like, oh, this just it looks too light. I don't know. Got a chance to play it afterwards at a local convention and was just blown away. Like, yeah, it's light, 
ish, but there's still some real decisions. It's the kind of game. Okay. I guess what kind of game is it? So it is a dice placement game for creature comforts. You're rolling dice. The catch with it though, is there's a bunch of locations on the board and you're trying to gather resources. Basically it is about making the coziest little den hidey hole you can before winter comes. So you're crafting things like blankets, chairs, maybe you're doing recipes, you're making soup or stew or bread. And so you're basically going around your little creature town, collecting a bunch of items, and then you're going to trade those items in to be able to make those recipes. So you're doing that by rolling some dice. You're going to, the catch though, is you, everyone rolls their own dice and you're going to go put them out in different spots. There's no blocking. Everyone can go to the same spot, but you don't actually get to do those things until you roll the village dice. The village dice are shared. Everyone's going to get a chance to use those village dice in the way they want. But all these spots require different die values or you have to sum them up and it has to be higher than that. And you don't know what those village dice are going to give you until you've already placed your dice out there. So you're kind of speculating and trying to figure out, okay, what's most important? Do I need this? Of course, there's some ways to mitigate dice rolls, etc. So it's one of those games where you can play it super casually. And like a kid could play it and just put out dice. They may not do well in the sense of, you know, getting a bunch of points, but they're going to have fun putting their dice out. The artwork is just gorgeous, so adorable. And, you know, they can have fun with it or you can really gamify it. There's certain most of the cards are, okay. if you have a rocking chair, you're going to get this many points. You're going to get extra points if you also have crafted a blanket. And there's different, I guess, suits of cards that interact in different ways. So it's it's one of those games that you can just play on so many different levels. So, uh, so there's something there for kids and there's something there for the adults who maybe want to play the games with kids. Absolutely. A hundred percent. So, yeah, when she when Maple Valley was announced, I was like, yep, I'm in. Don't want to miss out on this one. And it's it's gives me those exact same vibes. I thought it was going to be even lighter i was worried it was going to be even lighter than creature comforts and too light um but no it's been great it replaces dice with cards so basically the board is a map of maple valley and this time instead of preparing for winter you've gotten through winter and you are preparing for the spring festival and of course every player is one of the children one of the little kids the little cute little forest critter critter animals and the adults are busy preparing so they're sending the kids out to go scrounge for items and you're going to be making favors puppy favors for this party and how you do that is on that map there's all these different trails and there's three types of trails there's forest trails water trails and i think mountain trails something like that and you're basically you're making friends along the way and those friends are going to help you travel via a specific trail so you've got some hand management because you want to make sure you have a wide variety of friends so you can travel wherever you want you don't want to get stuck somewhere um most of those friends are also going to give you a bonus so say on that turn you traveled and you foraged so you went to a clearing that had some resources and you collected those resources that friend might say oh if you collected um a wood resource you get an extra wood so again, kids can just play this. They play down a card. Oh, look, I get to go. Okay, I'm going to go on the water. And off they go on the water and they'll, you know, do whatever they want to do. But if you want to gamify it, there is so much to dig into. It was way, way thinkier than I expected. You've got a bit of area control as you make those favors. You're contributing them to different events. 
and you want to have contributed the most to an event to get the benefit. Um, you get points at the end of the game. Yeah, there's a lot going on, but it's very streamlined, very straightforward. I think that this is one of those spots where we need a bit more games. Because I think when most people think of, okay, what games, what companies can I go to for games that are good for kids, but have something for me too? And I think the company that's probably most synonymous with that is probably Haba. That's exactly what I thought of when you said that. Yep. And I think Haba is super good with like dexterity and stuff, I think is probably what I think of the most as, especially like Rhino Hero is like a game that like, if you have kids, you can definitely have it, but you cannot have kids and also own a copy of and nobody's going to blink an eye at it and be like, oh, yeah, Yeah. Superhero Rhino Battle or whatever that's called, right? Rhino Hero Super Battle. There we go. Um, uh, Yeah, of course, that's a great game. And then having more games like Creature Comforts and now Maple Valley, that sounds like something that is really nice for people. And it's nice that also, even if you don't have kids, like, oh, I have my nieces and nephews that are coming over. And you know what? Even just my game group, there's a lot of thinkiness that's happening here. So totally fine. And then when my nieces and nephews, they can come over, play the same game, and we can all have fun at that. Yeah, I think kids table board games, they have a wide range of games. Now, I will say I haven't played all their games, unfortunately, but I know some of them are like Fossilis and uh, Power Plants. Yeah, that's them. Power Plants came out pretty recently, too. Uh, So I would say a lot of their games are for older kids. I think they list Creature Comforts in Maple Valley at 8+. plus. Um, But again, I feel like I imagine if you have a game savvy especially seven-year-old, they could get into it. Or you make up your own rules. They're adorable. Their artwork, their production is always lovely. Whether you get the fancy deluxe versions or not, they have great production. Uh, Yeah, if you're looking for those games that kind of straddle both spheres, I have enjoyed all their games I've played so far. Okay, that sounds really good, actually. I'm not usually uh, one for those kind of games, but that one sounds really interesting. What else is there anything else that you've been playing recently that's kind of worth mentioning as kind of it doesn't have to be the new hotness or anything like that, but like you just want to mention like, oh, actually this game was better than expected, or maybe you can give us a hot take and be like, oh, this game was actually I don't even think it's worth it. Okay, Your yeah. Face you want tells to... me there's that one of those answers are there. I got a hot take for you. Um everyone loves Orleans, right? Bag builder, but everyone loves it. Yeah. It's not my favorite. <gasps> I tried it once a couple of years ago. And I, I don't know. I felt like maybe it was just one of those days. Like, you know, you just, it was really hot. It was middle of summer, hiding in the basement and just not quite feeling it. So I was like, well, no, we got it. We got to I got to give this another try. Like that wasn't a fair shake. So brought it to game night and it was fine. It was. It was fine. Everyone else at the table um, liked it far more than I did. I, yeah, I just don't feel the tension. I don't, did, is there stuff I could learn? Yeah, I didn't play well at all. Uh, but it just doesn't do it for me. Yeah. All right. So this has been the introduction of Jaina, and she will actually not be, we're, I'll not be joining us any further. Um <laughs> Yeah, that was the risk I was willing to run. Gotta say it for all those <laughs> other people that don't like Orly. Oh, you want a hotter take than that? Altaplano is, is better. Altaplano is better than Orleans. Oh, actually, I haven't played Altaplano. 
So I, I've got I've got no opinion on that one, but okay, there. Okay, okay. So I, I still maybe can squeak out an episode or two before you play Altiplano and just decide that I'm completely. My opinions are just wrong. We're on thin ice, though. Okay, okay. thin ice. Noted. Poutine magnate. Still love that. That's that. that that's the saving grace, really. Okay. 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 I'll, but I'll just I really. We might have to have future like episodes where you come on and just talk about games as well, because I think that you're playing very different games than we are, than Ben is when he comes on once a month. So we might need to hear more from you of like some interesting games that don't usually are not usually in our purview. Like I don't oh, think yeah, I would have ever come across Creature Comforts or Maple Valley. I will happily talk about any game that I played all day long. Sounds good. Is there anything else that you want people to know before you start? Because you're starting in February. It's going to be released uh, the third week of January. So it's going to be a little bit before your first episode. But is there anything that we can look forward to or anything you want people to know before you join us for good? Okay. I think I think the most important thing that everyone does need to know about me and needs to be aware of, um, I do love a good corny joke. So be prepared. For a lot of those to make their way into my episodes and they may not even be good i just think they're hilarious that's the most important thing is that when you're recording you at least think you're funny oh yeah i will crack myself up yeah so hopefully hopefully people will enjoy that as well i'm sure that they will well thank you so much for joining us for this little introduction episode i'm looking forward to uh seeing you on the feed Starting in February, where can people find you for right now before you start? Oh, gosh, I'm not actually too many places right now. I hadn't even had a chance to do much for Nerdstorian yet. Uh, so I think probably your Discord channel is the best place to find me. I am Jaina over on that Discord channel. Okay, perfect. And I will put a link to uh, the Nerdstorian's Guide to Modern Board Gaming as well in the show description so that you can listen to the episodes that Jana has recorded so far. We are planning on, at some point, bringing those episodes over into the Board Game Dojo feed in the future. But, I mean, who wants to wait? I don't. Yeah. Ew. So, so I'll put a link to that show over there. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And thank you to Jana for joining us and taking time out of your day to join us and kind of introduce yourself to the audience. We're looking forward to having you. Thank you so much for inviting me. I am so excited. It's going to be awesome. Alright, thank you so much to all of you for listening today. Arigatou gozaimashita. Until next time, じゃあね!